Welcome to another edition of Lens Burning Bush. I am Len Harvey. Before I bring on my guest for the week, I want to talk about what's really burning my bush. You know, it's been four months with this whole pandemic um, has come out, and many of us have taken up a little, you know, extracurricular drinking to uh, make things uh, to a little bit better, to block out what has been a brutal stretch of 2020. And I know I see it all the time. Now, I've tried to stay positive through this, this whole thing, and, and it's been working uh, for the most part. But now, someone is here to ruin it for me. Um, there's, there's a New York Post article that came out by Hannah Frisberg this week, said that men should limit themselves to not just not, not two drinks a day, which was the uh, longstanding recommendation, but now only one per day. Now, I don't know who ever does just one a day or two a day or whatever, but it basically says that according to this U.S. Dietary Guidelines for Americans, since 1990, the guidelines maintain that men could have two alcoholic beverages daily, while women, unfortunately, can only have one. Don't ask me why that is anyway. They're saying because men and women alike, they, they don't have an idea uh, about stopping after a single drink. Now, what they say about a single drink is that it is 12 ounces of beer or five ounces of wine or liquor. I don't know anybody who drinks just 12 ounces or five ounces anyway, but I just think the biggest problem here this was a coping mechanism for people, and now somebody's trying to ruin it. So my idea is don't tell us what's what bad for us. We will decide for ourselves. We need something. I mean, we can't go to bars uh, the right way anymore like normal. And uh, I can't have my five beers in the pool like I did yesterday. I mean, that just doesn't, doesn't seem good. So with that in mind, I want to bring in my friend, author, Ph.D., who is certainly way smarter than me. Uh, Cooper Lawrence, Cooper's Twitter profile. I love this about you, Cooper. Your Twitter profile says you're a Gracie Award-winning radio host, which I love, but published author. But the best part about it is you say you're an irritant, which is really what I am as well. So I, I think we we get up. And, you know, before we talk about your uh, a new book, you know, I always like to say that I, um, in talking about books, I finished my first book. I just finished my first book, and then next year I'm going to read another one. But that's, um, you know, when it comes to that. But I wanted to get your take on this whole drinking thing. I mean, we need something, something of a release. This is ridiculous. Every day there's right. another, there's more bad news than we care to uh, have. We need a little right. bit of positive thing. Two drinks a day was okay. I mean, I certainly go over that, but one drink a day, it's not happening, right? Well, yeah, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for having me. We've been friends a really long time. Mm -hmm. It is so nice to see you. I'm so grateful to be on your amazing show. And I love that your first topic is drinking um, <laughs> at 11 o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite thing about you. But see, don't look at the ounces. You know, if you if you do one drink, just get a really huge glass and that's one drink. Yeah. You know, and then you feel like you're keeping to the guidelines. But um, yeah, you know, I don't know anybody that drinks one drink because what's the point of drinking if you're in lockdown other than to like, numb your senses and it's like if it's between drinking and literally anything else you could possibly do that's both illegal and potentially really damaging i mean you know look at the people in france like my family is french everybody in my family grew up having wine and they're all healthy they all lived to like my my grandmother was 102 years old when she died and she drank she drank like four glasses of wine every <laughs> exactly. single day. So um, I'm going with what my grandma did. And that's because, you know, how these studies work like tomorrow. They're going to say five drinks are good for you. And then the week, a week later, it's going to be like alcohol bad. And who's you paying know? for these studies? Why do we need a study on alcohol during a pandemic? Like find something right? else to do. <laughs> cruel. Yeah. yeah, it's the most cruel thing. It's like, you know, what are you going to tell us next? Not to eat 
pretzels and potato chips while yeah. we're in lockdown. Yeah, ex- like- well, exactly. We know that. I mean, yeah. we know it's bad. Everything in moderation is good, and I certainly know that. I, I will say that in my 50s, uh, I have noticed that I drink a lot more than I did through my 30s and 40s, and I think it's because my kids are grown now. So now I can go back to what I might have did in my 20s. Although I like, to, it, I like to talk about that because in my 20s, you know, maybe you go out three, four nights a week. And in my 50s, I go out one night and recover three to four nights. That's how that, right. that <laughs> not really how that works. But but I do enjoy, you know, we sit at the pool. We have a couple of couple of cocktails. We got a, we have a nice Tommy Bahama cooler. It's a wooden mm-hmm. cooler on our deck that we throw the ice in and they just get up and get as much. It fits up to, I believe, 140 cans of beer. If you want, oh my god! To. And we throw bottles little, in there. That's, yeah, that, that feels a little much. Just it is a little, a little much. bit much. But when yeah, we have yeah, people, I would, I would say I would say 140 is probably my limit. Yes, Cooper. We used to entertain, you know, and now we have to like kind of you know have guidelines. We're trying to we're trying to do the social distance. Obviously, outside, I'm not gonna in my house. I'm not gonna wear my mask. But you know, I've been good. I've been wearing the mask. I, I think it's ridiculous to complain about wearing the mask. You got to do what you can. And you in New York City. You guys uh, have been locked down for a long time. How is that working out for you? Um, you guys ha- are in an apartment, right? I mean, how is that working yeah, out? Yeah. I mean, it, it, at first it was like really scary because we were the epicenter and everybody everybody was freaking out. And it was weird because, you know, in the middle of a work day, you'd look outside and it was like the walking dead. I mean, the streets were empty and maybe you'd see like a car or a bicycle go through for like food delivery or something like that or like a police car. But for the most part, I mean, everybody here just they did what we, we do. We were told. I mean, there's a reason why we only had uh, 30 new cases yesterday, 19 the day before. Like we're flattening our curve because we just said, you know what? We're New Yorkers. Screw it. Yeah. Put on a mask, lock down, order in your food and we'll be fine. So we're doing the right thing. I, you know, our, our fellow Americans down south have decided that they're living by different rules. Yeah, we have so. a few friends that uh, that have not uh, taken the rules and the mask thing. I don't understand why it bothers right. everybody. Here's the deal. If it's going to save some people, if we're going to get to go back to doing what I want to do, I want to go sit at a bar and be able to do that. So if I have to wear a mask doing that, I'm OK. Like, just tell me what I need to do. I'm good. That's Nobody's what asking you to chain yourself to a radiator for a no, month. I mean, exactly. you, you wear you, you wear a stupid mask yeah, exactly. on your face <laughs> for 20 minutes while you go to Costco. Like, what's the big deal? I, I mean, don't, don't I, you wear a seatbelt when you get in a car? Yeah. Like, I just don't understand why this has become such a big I, deal. I think there are people that feel that if a mask was working, why didn't we do it since March? Now, some people did, but that's kind of where, I guess, the other part of the world is saying, you know, you know I, I just think wear the mask, shut up, let's move on. I want to, I want to get back to football. I want the kids to go back to school. I think it's important, but it looks like things are changing. You know, we're, we're supposed to go back on August 25th here in uh, mm-hmm. Kentucky. And um, they kind of said they're going to do different color days where they'll have some. Kids are you in, in Kentucky? Yes. Yes. Wow. I am in Kentucky. Look at that. Oh my Near God, Cincinnati, wait. Ohio. So Jersey boy. Oh, I know. Jersey and New York. Yeah. Wait, that's that's a headline. Yeah, that's another story. There. Uh, oh, okay. Moved to Cincinnati for actually, you know, we worked together in New York City and right. I had moved for, for the company we were working for to go to Cincinnati to run the office there. So that's oh, how that, okay, that came about. So in 2001, I moved to Cincinnati. I love it here, though. I mean, we the, the food I'll sucks. Bet. Let's be honest. I can't <laughs> I, I cannot get, you know, anything I want. And I, I you know, even get it just a hard roll they don't even know what that is right so right, right. Uh, the food i missed good pizza there is somebody from um syracuse new york that has a place here 
that is uh, definitely pretty good. It's called No Cheese, and it, it's N-O-C-E, not No Cheese. But got it, got um, it, they, yeah. they do a good job with New York-style pizza. Uh, but that's, you know, there's not much here, you know, for that. It's all chains, and uh, and it's been, been kind of crazy. But that's, right. you know, Kentucky's definitely different. I always like to say that I, you know, I thought when I came here that Aunt B was going to make me a, a pie when I came here. But that did <laughs> not happen. That is not the no. case. No. It is closer <laughs> to New York and New Jersey than you would imagine, right? Wow. It's really it's really closer to, to here. I always like to say when I drive he, around here that, um, and I don't know, you're familiar, I guess, with Paramus, New Jersey, right? I would have, Sure. Yeah, okay. uh-huh. So Paramus was always crazy, crowded with the malls and everything, right? So we right. have mm-hmm. Florence, Kentucky here where there's a mall uh, before people used to go to a mall. Right. The, I always like to call this a nicer, cleaner, less congested version of Paramus. That's what it <laughs> basically what it comes down to. So that's, and my, and my yeah. guess is you're probably surrounded by lots of people from the tri-state area because I know a lot of people that moved to Cincinnati, Kentucky, yeah. that whole area where they just you know look property values are better. You get more for your money. The you know you get away from a lot of stuff, a lot of um, high prices. Yeah. And I, I can imagine. What yeah. you pay a lot for of people you... just like you around you. Yeah. It, well, there are, and there we actually have a, a neighbor who lives in Long Island. So that's you know, so it's there you go. who lived in Long Island. So it's kind of fun. They they've been really cool, but it's it's interesting. What you pay for your rent probably or or your apartment, you could you could buy like a you know a seven bedroom uh, house out here. So I'm oh, sure. No, yeah. luckily I own, yeah. I own my place. Good. I stopped renting a long time Good. ago because I'm not I'm I'm smart. <laughs> well, you're smart, and and that brings us to our next thing. Being so smart, you've got a book out now called. Uh, let me get this right here. Celebrate celebrateocracy, right? Is that how do you, how, Cele- how do you, yeah, go ahead, say it for me. Cause I, I, I was trying to figure this out. Um, but celebratocracy or whatever, say it please for me. Celebratocracy. Celebratocracy. Okay. I apologize. So I got it. Yeah, it's the no, first it's, thing. It's, yeah. a, it's a word I made up. So it's no, it's no oh. reason why you should know it. Yeah. It's so, the idea that, you know, celebrities have become part of this democracy. So celebratocracy. Celebratocracy. I love it. And you talk about things. It was interesting that I, I saw this because, um, the, just this week we celebrated an anniversary for Live Aid, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got in, in the book you talk about how um, that Bob Geldof in 1985 they had the big you know it was a big charitable event. We remember Queen, remember all the bands and everybody uh, you know did all they can. And there was 127 million dollars raised. So explain what actually happened with the money. So this is interesting. So you know when. When Live Aid was going on, it all felt like a you know, feel-good thing we can all get behind. I mean, who doesn't want to raise money for famine in Ethiopia? I mean, it, it felt like exactly just the perfect thing. And then, you know, once you get celebrities involved, it seems to make things seem even more legit. So once you have a celebrity involved, you're not going to then go and be like, huh, I wonder who the money's really going towards, wonder what the, really, what the money's really for. You never second-guess celebrities because you feel like, they know something you don't know. They, if they wouldn't do this if this was something, uh, you know, hinky or scandalous. So it must be. This must be on the up and up. So we all got behind it. We gave all this money, and the hundred twenty-seven million dollar live aid check was turned over to uh, the leader of Ethiopia. His name is Megistu Hale Mariam, and there was this big like. Geldof handing him the check and he's like joking around with him and it's like this big novelty check and he's like punching him in the arm like hey buddy kind of thing well what he didn't know was that um uh, this horrible human being was not actually uh the benevolent leader this guy Mariam. he took the money all 127 million dollars of it 
turned it over to the Russians in exchange for sophisticated weapon weaponry that he used to butcher untold numbers of helpless people rather than feeding them. Um, he probably killed tens of thousands of his own people with money that we gave him um, because we didn't realize that the famine that was going on there was man-made. It wasn't a famine that happened. It was a famine that he was creating. He was trying to kill his own people. He was a dictator. Um, and what's interesting about this, it was Bob Guccione's sister, Nina Guccione, who originally uncovered this. And then Bob Guccione post, uh, wrote extensively about this um, in Spin Magazine. And um, I think Time covered it. But it just wasn't a big story at the time. It's weird that people don't know this. To this no, day, I had no idea. This is, this is the yeah. first I'm hearing of it. Well, which is, which is so crazy because people look back and like, oh, what a great thing we did. Well, it was great because we had iconic moments of music. And because of Live Aid, Bono started Red, which did good things and raised untold amount of money for great causes. So it actually sparked, I mean, even I remember uh, when I was at PLJ years ago, we interviewed Rob Thomas, and he's a very charitable person. I mean, a bulk of his money goes towards children's hospitals, and he has a lot of really passionate, passionate things. And for him, it started with Live Aid. He saw that, and it inspired him. So the, the unintended consequence of Live Aid was that it inspired major musicians, major rock stars to do good in the world. The negative thing that happened is that all of our money, every dime of it, went to evil. Hmm. That's interesting because I always look at people love the celebrities, right? Everything. I mean, they, when a celebrity dies or a celebrity, it's like they, they've got to feel like they know them and they, they, go, right. they want to go put flowers on their grass. It's like, I don't know these people. I don't get that, you know, one way or the other. But people are really obsessed with, with celebrities and they'll do whatever a celebrity says and they'll, they'll, they'll fork up the money because they, they want to be part of Everybody wants to be a celebrity. It's like everybody wants right. to be a singer. Everybody wants to be somebody famous. And I think that's where we go, go wrong. Um, you, you know, with all these charities, I think that a lot of them, like Bob Gelba, probably had the best intentions. Hey, I, oh, I'm, yeah, exactly. No, right. His, I mean, his heart was in the yeah. right place. He truly wanted yeah. to help these people. In fact, you know, he wasn't the money wasn't coming in. It wasn't until he started playing this video of these poor, starving children in Ethiopia during the cars performing drive. It was a real moment um, when it was just this. You finally saw where your money was supposedly going and it just tugged at the heartstrings. And that was the moment that uh, people just started like calling like crazy and calling in their their money. But the important thing you have to know about celebrities is that they're not experts. They're celebrities. Yeah. I know. You know, so every every time a celebrity tells you to go buy something, you have to wonder, like, well, are, are they being paid to tell me that? Probably. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Chris Brown gave a lot of money to um, women's charities that had to do with domestic violence. Uh, that whole tour after everything, after everything went down with he and Rihanna, his whole entire tour, a huge percentage of that went towards domestic violence. Well, is that because he suddenly cares about domestic violence? Well, maybe he does. Maybe he learned something. But we all know that he was involved in a domestic violence case himself, and it's a really good mea culpa. So I'm not saying don't give to domestic violence charities. You should, because they need you, and that it's a really important cause. But don't do it because Chris Brown told you to do it. Do it because you know it's the right thing to do. And it behooves you to vet those charities yourself. You know, we hear all the time of charities that are kind of hinky because 
they got a celebrity involved and they took a bunch of money and they misappropriated it. So, you know, every time Ashton Kutcher tells you that he's vetted charities for just give him money and he'll donate yeah. for you. Don't give him a dime. Find your own charity. Do your own research and give money that way. You know what I mean? Like you should take responsibility for the charitable donations and the volunteerism that you do. Well, I joked last week on my podcast about people now for their birthdays. They're putting on these uh, on their Facebook posts. Don't please donate to my charity. Uh, and I'm like, well, I wasn't getting you a gift anyway. Why am I, you know, <laughs> donating to your charity? But 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 it's like there's so many different charities. Everybody's got what they feel passionate about. And I always like to say, even you know, during this pandemic, it's the same thing. It's like you believe something, that's fine. Don't make don't try to you know sell me on what you believe. I I believe what I right. believe. You believe what you believe, and that's fine. So one of the things in this book that that I found interesting that you uh, you talked about. And this, this, this could be controversial for the uh, celebrity world here. You say yeah. that Kim Kardashian might be the greatest celebrity hypocrite in modern times when it comes to a political advocacy. Now, ex you can need to do some explaining to do on this okay. one. <laughs> All right, because I want to hear about okay. this. Okay, so I also call her the future of celebrity activism because um, everything that she's doing with criminal justice reform is unprecedented. The fact that she has gotten bipartisan uh, agreement to pass, help pass, I mean, she is the one that helped pass the uh, First Step Act. And if it wasn't for her urging uh, Donald Trump to sign this law, this, this uh, bill into law, we wouldn't have this. So the First Step Act is, so when you first come out of prison and you have, don't know what you're doing or where you're going, you need, you need help, you need guidance. And that's what the First Step Act is. It's helping people that have just come out of prison start their lives and start a clean life and start a good life because a lot of people come out of prison and because they don't have opportunity to turn back to crime because they just don't have any other choice and they have to feed themselves and feed their families. The First Step Act makes sure that doesn't happen. It puts you in a position where you can get education. They provide um, car, like a car service to and from work if you don't have a car yet. I mean, anything you need to get your life on track. And it's it's major. And Kim Kardashian made this happen and got Donald Trump to sign this, which, if you think about it, is very un-Donald Trump. The more you think about it, the more yeah. you get to know him. Well, right? it's the stuff that you don't hear about. Right. Everybody goes on the negative. There's never any positive. Right. So. Right. And, and you know, and she did this with Van Jones, who you would think would be enemy number one for the Trump administration because he's on CNN and he's a liberal and he's, a, you know, but he's one of the smartest men you'll ever meet. He's an attorney and, and he's the one that has Kim Kardashian, like the two of them and his other partner, the three of them are the ones that are putting together all this criminal justice reform. So that's the amazing stuff that she's doing. And she is continuing to do it. She's becoming an attorney. So I, I don't fault her for any of that. My only issue with her in terms of hypocrisy, she spent a lot of time advocating for Armenian genocide. She got after her good friend Barack Obama for not saying the word genocide on Armenian Remembrance Day. And it's a big thing for her. Like if you watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which of course I do. Um, <laughs> I can't say that she, I have, but. <laughs> <laughs> she talks about Armenia constantly and, and it's she's always tweeting about it. And um, she takes the other girls to Armenia on Keeping Up with the Kardashians and makes this big ploy for like, you know, on, on Remembrance Day, and they put these flowers down, they meet with all the heads of state in Armenia, and this is a big thing for her. Um, she's, so if you don't know about Armenian genocide, just quickly, it was, the, it was Turkey 
who in 1915 basically killed tens of thousands of Armenians. And the genocide, it was the Turkish who performed the genocide, for lack of a better term. They are, so she's very anti-Turkey. So when her Vogue cover, when she found out that her international Vogue cover was also going to be on the cover of Vogue Turkey, she had a cease and desist. She threw a fit. She wouldn't let it happen. She told Vogue, if you don't pull that, I, can't, I will never work with you again. So she's very anti-Turkey. Got it? Yeah. Okay. So now she's making this line of clothing called Skims. It's probably her first line that of, of, she's got makeup and everything else and perfume. But it's the first thing that's probably going to reach a billion dollars. Her Skims line is making her untold amount of money. like A little a, bit of cash. But, yeah, a little bit of cash. Um, so the Daily Mail did a deep dive into Skims. And what they uncovered was that guess where she's having her Skims made? Oh, in, Ar well, Turkey or Armenia? Where, well, where she's making you, it. You would, you would hope she's making it in Armenia yeah. because she's, yeah. Ar she's Armenian. That's her yeah. thing. Nope, uh-uh, she's making it in Turkey. Uh, see, she's making I was it in right Turkey. the first time. <laughs> so, so her Armenian constituents were like, and this is all over Twitter, they were like, uh, what's up, bitch? Like, yeah. you've been a big advocate for us. Like, we have factories here. Like, what are you doing? And her, her excuse was, it's a business decision. So the fact that she's willing to put her passion for Armenia on hold for money is really hypocritical for somebody that is such an advocate for not just Armenia, but, you know, people in general who are who are in need. So it's kind of a disconnect and it has to be brought forward because people have to recognize that because they love a celebrity, they're not perfect. No, you know, and, and they, they have they have flaws and you can't you can't get into hero worship. So it's so this book kind of brings out the good and the bad. So Kim Kardashian did great stuff for criminal justice reform, great stuff for Armenia. But then she had her multi-billion dollar line of clothing made in Turkey, which well, she still does. Well, when they tell you it's not about the money, it's about the money. It's always of about course. the money, right? We, you know, it's about the whole theme. So how, how can we get this new book? It sounds terrific. I, I would like to get my copy as well. Maybe you could write in there a little bit of something for me. But <laughs> <laughs> um, Well, it's on right now it's on Amazon. So the book comes out officially July 28th. Oh, okay. Um, Perfect. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and uh, I guess you know anywhere anybody buys books anymore. And then there'll also be an audio book available um, in the next like month or so. And I'll tweet it out on on uh, Lens Burning Bush. I'll put it on my uh, the Burning Bush page as well, where you can get it. And it's CooperLawrence.com, right? Is another place where you could find some more information on that, right? Yep, absolutely. It's amazing. I love this stuff. Well, you know this this is you know the book is great. We'll we'll get hopefully. Uh, a bunch of the listeners will, will will pick one up, and you'll uh, you'll get a little bit of, of of cash. You know that's always good, right? We need a little bit of something <laughs> to make sure. But this week has been kind of a weird week. We had um, an issue with with celebrities and Twitter. Uh, we had the widespread Twitter hack, which I gotta think is is probably a good thing. We need to get more of that. Just get off the yeah. off the damn social media, right? We we always have that. Apparently, um, Bill Gates, Kanye West, Elon Musk, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, they were all hacked, I guess. Is that right? Is that that story? I, I, I just find it interesting how, you know, these the Twitter hack, there's always something going on this year, right? There's yeah. something that yeah. always, you know, so that was interesting. Yeah, Twitter's kind of weird because if you think about it, most people are not on Twitter. It seems like it. they are. Um, but the good thing about Twitter is that, 
you know, celebrities are, you know, for someone like me that's been an entertainment reporter and in celebrity entertainment and stuff like that for so many years, there was a time when, like, I was working at Pix News, for example, and we would get a fax in the morning. This is when yeah. <laughs> we would oh, get the faxes. fax. Oh, my goodness. Now you're going back <laughs> a little bit. We'd get, we'd get, we, I mean, we had email back then, but for some reason, the publicist would fax us in the morning and tell us, like, Britney Spears is going to be shopping at Bendel's between two and four. And it's like, and then we'd show up and she'd pretend like, oh my God, how did you know I was here? You know what I mean? And they would pretend because they had, they had people around them who were their publicists who got us, you know, got them in front of our faces. Now, because of Twitter, they don't need that anymore. They themselves are tweeting out. They themselves, I mean, they may have assistance, but for the most part, like Chrissy Teigen tweets what's in her own brain. You know, Alyssa Milano oh, just tweets out, yeah. like nobody's tweeting for her. You know, uh, James Woods, all, uh, John Voight, like all of these people to have, don't have publicists anymore who are tweeting for them because for the most part, if a publicist saw some of the things they were tweeting, the publicist would shut it down immediately. Oh, absolutely. Same with, with Trump. I mean, that was the whole problem, right? Shut, you know, turn the damn, you know, move away from the computer. Please step away from the computer because right, exactly. there's things you shouldn't, shouldn't be saying. So, so that's Twitter. I mean, I'm on Twitter a little bit. Uh, I try to look at some of the news. It's just, it's uh, this day and age everything's very depressing so i kind of move on from that there's instagram where you post pictures everybody's putting pictures of food and some other stuff on instagram and and i guess the kids the, the kids today are using snapchat right is that is that my am i hip no now or, no it's no, not snapchat no, no, you're what not hip at all, all right, everyone's thank you. off snapchat all right. they're on tiktok oh yeah. tiktok okay yeah, yeah. That's, on, I'm the, not... the kid yeah the kids are on tiktok and um, most celebrities are actually on instagram stories so it's sort of like these little, if you've never seen Instagram stories, it's um, you put it up there, you could do live or you can do something uh, recorded, but it only lasts for 24 hours. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and, uh, and they just, you know, it's like a running commentary some of them have. I mean, I started following Hilaria Baldwin because she has this like thing back and forth between her and Alec that's hilarious where he posts pictures where he looks good and she looks terrible. And she's on Instagram stories posting like him looking terrible and her looking amazing. So I just like this little like I think their relationship is adorable and I love following it. But it's like but that's what I'm talking about. Like that's the kind of thing a publicist would never be able to put out there. So you do get to know celebrities in a way. It's called the illusion of intimacy where you feel like you're look, they're being intimate with you. Hilaria Baldwin is taking me inside her relationship with Alec Baldwin and he's doing the same thing. So I feel like I know them, yeah. but it's an illusion, but it's an illusion because it's just what they want to show me and I don't know them. So yeah, it's I've the reason why, yeah, it's the main reason why people follow celebrities. Yeah. And I've seen that. I mean, I, I, I follow Lori Grenier from Shark Tank and she's got the bedtime talks that uh, right. she does. So, you know, with all this craziness, she had to come up with something else to do, right? And that's kind of exactly. the way. But, you know, it's a good good idea to do it. Uh, also this week, uh, I noticed on your radio show, you've got a radio show, Cooper and Anthony, right? Yeah, um, uh -huh. That's on. So you talked about Billy Joel. And, and what's interesting, a 70-year-old man, Billy Joel, playing the piano or uh, <laughs> in, in the middle of, a you know, just an area, right? The, he said the piano sounded good. He said it, it just needs to be tuned, right? Is that, was he? Was yeah, he, hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, so he's walking around Huntington, Long Island, and he just comes upon a discarded piano, like it was trash day. So he walks over and starts playing it. But the weird thing was, he starts playing this like ragtime theme. Like he didn't play Piano Man. Like he didn't play any of his own songs that you think he would have played. Instead, he just starts playing this like ragtime thing, and it's amazing. And he gets done playing, and he says, "Yeah, it's a little out of tune, but this piano is actually not yeah. too bad." So. 
you know, so Anthony, my partner and I for 11 years, so we, we were like, okay, first of all, where are the guys from American Pickers? Like, how do you not run down there? You have the video verifying this is a piano that Billy Joel just played. Do you know what I mean? Like, this piano is now worth something. Like, oh, yeah. go down there and pick up this piano and then go sell it. Right. Um, yeah. They, that's what they should have done. And, and Billy's great. I, I, I really, that's one thing I, I have a problem with some of these artists, though. Play me the songs I want to hear. I don't want to hear the new album. <laughs> I want to hear the stuff we we can sing along to. It's like the you know you go to Neil Diamond back in the day. You just want you know Sweet Caroline. Give me the give me the hits, right? I don't want right, the right. you know. I understand you got you got to have uh, stuff off the new album. I remember Bon Jovi doing that in one concert where they played all the stuff from the the new album first, and everybody's like, "Come on already, right?" Especially right. us older people. We want we want to get right to the old stuff, right? We we still live in the eighties. Uh, and the and some people in the '90s or even in the '70s, for that matter, you want to see some of these bands play us the hits. I don't want to hear the new stuff. Right? right. Yeah, I I have a problem with that too. And if you think about it in terms of you and I have been radio a long time, so if you think of it in terms of radio, can you imagine turning on top forty radio, and they're not playing the top forty? They're playing like the B side. Oh. I mean, they they the ratings wouldn't exist. I mean, the whole reason why we go to concerts and spend money is because, you know, like when I go see Jay-Z, I mean, I have to say that I think I think rap is the only exception because Jay-Z's new album, when it came out for 44, it was like his greatest album. So when I went to see Jay-Z, I wanted to hear 444 as well as the hits. And that's what yeah. he usually does. You know what I mean? And so I think rap is the exception because rap, it's almost like uh, yesterday's news. You know, you don't want to read a newspaper from 20 years ago. You want to read today's paper. So rap music is today's paper. I feel like the more classic bands that you're talking about, like my boyfriend's really into Steely Dan, and they do this really cool thing. So they play full albums. So you go on the night of the album. So if you want to hear Royal Scam, you go that night. If you want to hear Gaucho, you go that night. Oh. So they're acknowledging that you want to hear they're not going to play a new song i'm sure they have some but they but they know that's not what you want to hear so there are some bands that understand their audience yeah i mean you know you go see the rolling stones you want all the hits right there's no new real stuff that's one of the benefits we've gone to see you know def leppard and journey and uh some of the other ones foreigner you know it, yeah. it's like you don't realize like I, we went to see foreigner uh it was two years ago i think at one of the river bend here in in um in the cincinnati area and they came mm -hmm. out, and I'm, I'm thinking, man, you don't realize how many number one hits they had. You know, yeah. one after the other, they all kind of sound the same, but it's terrific. I, I, I think, you know, Farnham might be a very underrated band. And we saw Hart and uh, Joan Jett, and, and, you know, you hear the old stuff, and it's like we, we can relive our youth through them because, of course, they're 65, right? That's kind right. of, you know, they're out there um, more and more as Billy Joel is another one I've seen seven times, and... You know he's he's tremendous anytime you know I've ever seen him, but yeah. uh, you want to hear. But, I mean my yeah. my my youth is more the '90s, like the grunge yeah. stuff. Like when I you know when I used to go see like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and stuff like that. And for me, it's a shame because those bands don't really exist anymore. Obviously, Nirvana doesn't exist, yeah. but a lot of those bands don't exist. So I don't get those nostalgia moments. I don't get to hear the music of my childhood because none of the, like literally none of the bands I grew up listening to. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exist anymore? I think I saw the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and I was like, okay, well then I got that. <laughs> some music is just doesn't last the the time, right? Some some music yeah. does, and you look at uh, everybody says, you know, I grew up more in the '80s, so to me, 
when I was in the 80s, it was okay, right? I liked right, it, right. but it wasn't, it didn't seem great at the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then when you go back, you're like, you know, between everything that's happened recently, you're like, this is great stuff. I mean, I, I like to have on my playlist outside, so I like to call it the best mix of the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and today, right? And, <laughs> and I call it WLEN Radio, but I basically do a playlist where I've got, I could go from, you know, Eminem to Johnny Cash at any given moment. And it's like, right. I, I like that wide range of music because I really love music. I think music is one of those things that really help you. And, and during this whole pandemic, if you, you know, just listen to some music, kind of calm down, we all need to kind of just think about not what we can't do, but what we can do, right? I mean, that's the stuff right now that we need to just focus on. Instead of the bad stuff, we know, you know, just do do the right thing. One thing I liked on your uh, your Twitter feed this week uh, on your show, you talked about making a movie, a movie based on, on what your boyfriend and you say to each other. I thought that was yes. pretty cool. And you said, "Ugh, we ate too much." Yeah, that's. I think it's we drank too much in my household. But that's an that's another, another story. But but I, I thought that was pretty cool to say. You know, what would your movie be? Last night, so I had the most fun. Uh, this is the weirdest thing on Facebook. One of my friends posted something. Ad in the. I'm not going to say the. Uh, it's in your butt or whatever, to okay. a movie title. Uh-huh. I sat there giggling for hours. It was like the most fun thing I had done in a long time. I'm, I'm, I'm just like, all of a sudden, I'm thinking, okay, Porky's Revenge in the book. You know, it's like there's so right. many <laughs> things you could add to that. And it was so much fun. It's like, we need to do more of that. Forget the political stuff. Forget just that's that's going to get you through all this time, don't you think? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Of course. I mean, we, we do something like that on my radio show, except we add When I Pee. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. You know, so like, you know, I'm burning for you when I pee. Exactly. You know, so so we, we add When I Pee to the end of the t- song titles. Chariots, that's like our, chariots that's like of thing. Fire, When I Pee. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff I was doing all night. I just, I'm giggling. Yeah. Susan's wonder, it was like, because she, she saw it too, and I'm just going one after the other, but the funniest one she liked was my left foot in the in the butt. In the butt. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. So that was the thing. So this is what I'm doing during a pandemic. I'm I'm sitting on social media and replying and coming up with creative things. But that's that's kind of where the show came from. I just needed yeah. something to do that was going to be positive. It's something to look forward to every week. I get to talk to, you know, great friends like you and I'm I'm seeing you on FaceTime as we talk and it's uh, brings back so many memories. I mean, we worked together in the late yeah. 90s, early 2000s, and um, it's been a long time. And we should not spend this much time apart. This is, we need to do this again. I know. The thing about what we do for a living is it's a really small community. You know, we all know each other. We've all been friends all these years. I mean, um, some of our mutual friends I've heard from because they're doing shows like, hey, come be on my show. Yeah. And, and, and I do the same for them. Like, hey, come be on my show. And it's, it's just the radio community is actually super small. So I think it's really important that we do, you know, keep up with each other and, and um, you know, keep each other in, in our thoughts, you know. Absolutely. And, and one of the things that I love about this is I have anybody I've asked to do this has more than happily said yes. And I'm thinking to myself going, what do I do? To, what did I do to deserve this? Because this is kind of nice. You know, usually you, you think you haven't seen anybody in 15 years. One of the guests was 20 years. Um, I had Sarah. Uh, I don't know if you know Sarah. Okay, so Sarah from uh, the Danny Bonaducci show was on with me a couple weeks ago. We celebrated uh, the 4th of July together. 
And that was kind of cool. So, you know, and we hadn't talked in probably, you know, uh, was it 15 years or something like that? But we every once in a mm-hmm. while, we'll send an email or, you know, we're on on social media. So that that does right. help. So I thought that was yeah. cool. Yeah, no, I'm still buddies with all my friends from Z100 and yeah. PLJ. And, you know, yeah, I mean, the, ra- the thing about radio is we are all a family. And also, we know that we're going to end up working with each other at some point. So everyone stays in good stead because we see each other. You know, we see each other at award ceremonies and, and uh, you know, tomorrow I can end up at a station. It was really great. I just left WOR and it was great being at iHeart because literally all of my friends were there, like Light FM and um, Power and just everyone I know that I like grew up with. It's, I feel like, you know, I don't I didn't have a lot of friends growing up because I started radio really early. I was at um, uh, LIR in Long Island back in the day when I was like a fetus. So I feel like I grew up, I grew up in radio. I grew up like those are my, those are the people I grew up with. So it really feels like seeing old friends all the time, you know, and it's just, it's a nice community we have. I think we're very lucky. There's not a lot of industries that have a community like that where they respect each other and care about each other and like, can't wait to see each other again, you know? Yeah. Reunion would be great if we could do it in person. Maybe one of these days we can. Cooper, tell people again how you can get your book coming out and uh, we'll go through that. You can like Lens Burning Bush on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Right now, also, you can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, iHeartRadio, so it's all over the place. I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm trying the next one. I, I, you know, I'm trying to find anyone. Do you recommend any places where we can put this thing? <laughs> um, you know, if you if you use anchor.fm, they will put it everywhere for you. OK. And, that, and that's all you need. Anchor.fm is my is always my go to. I okay. really I'm a big fan of Anchor. Anchor.fm. Yeah, I started <laughs> with Podbean was the one I chose. And, and uh-huh. that's kind of where I, I, I kind of put it together uh, in Podbean. But uh, tell everybody how you can get your book. Okay, so my book is called Celebritocracy, and it comes out July 28th, but you can pre-order it now on Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. And then the Cooper and Anthony show, it's a comedy show. I think you'll love it. Um, Anthony and I have been together for 11 years, and we've won tons of awards, and it's just a really funny, it's a nationally syndicated show, but it's also available by podcast. Um, And it's easy to listen to because our longest episode is eight minutes. Like, it's a lot of little, like, three minutes, four minutes. It's just so easy, little sound bites and little bits and whatever. Um, and it's available anywhere you get your podcasts. I love it. Is your, he's your work husband, as I like to say, right? After 11 yeah, years, right. he, he kind of knows everything about you. And it's it's all good. And, and you're tremendous. Thanks so much for, for doing this. I really appreciate it. It's great to see you. Great to talk to you. And uh, I wish, you know, come back again. And uh, I hope the book does uh, really well. I'll put it. Uh, I'll put the link on uh, the Lens Burning Bush podcast uh, page on Facebook and Twitter. And I'll uh, I'll put it out there. So make sure you go out and uh, buy her book. Thank you. So you much. know, I, I adore you. Yes. Say hi to the, fam- say uh, hi to the family. From I me. will. Thank you, Cooper. And remember to buy our new book on Amazon right now. I'm Len Harvey. Be back again with another episode of Lens Burning Bush next week. So long.